Amber Geiger, the Dallas police officer that um, shot and killed Botham John, who was a 26-year-old uh Black man, uh, originally from the Caribbean. Uh, now he uh, yeah. moved. He moved to America. And Amber Geiger, a year ago, went into his apartment, intruded in, shot him dead, killed him. Uh, she was found guilty yesterday. So I covered it, and it was good news yeah. uh, that she was found guilty because obviously white cops in America not often found guilty. Today, uh, not the best of news, if you ask me. Uh, it just came out before I went live. A Dallas County jury sentenced An Amber Geiger to 10 years in prison after convicting her of murdering her upstairs neighbor, Bother Botham John, in his apartment last year. Geiger has been facing 5 to 99 years, had been facing 5 to 99 years of life in prison. And for those that weren't watching yesterday, as a reminder, we were the only national media uh, down there last year covering I mean, what do you call this other than an execution? You know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, what's the word? Um, uh, tokenize you. Yeah. But I'd yeah. rather hear from a black man yeah. before yeah. I comment. Absolutely. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? So, I mean. Oh, by the way, yeah, yeah. for those of you that don't know, I've explained it 25 times, but here yeah. we go. Yeah. Uh, Joseph is our new camera person, yes. if you haven't seen. So he started last week. Yeah. Uh, he's working on uh some things we're gonna show you some new stuff today that he's already done yeah. uh so joseph will be joining uh, us and me on the road uh as soon as we book the flight so absolutely uh, what are your thoughts on this so definitely on this uh particular situation um you know one of the things that i first that jumps out me and i just want to say as a person uh she she she's guilty uh she says she was threatened she was not threatened she was drunk and went to the wrong apartment and saw some a stranger sitting on a couch. Last time I had somebody like be in that realm, uh, or like where it was a stranger, I didn't know. I said, "What are you doing?" Um, I understand she's a lady. I understand maybe there's a sense of oh god, there's a, there's, a, there's a guy there, but then there's a history of racism and there's a history from text messages to other you know the sort of locker room talk that basically where she's just calling people of color a lot of disparaging names. I have been on a situation as a person of color, as a man of color, and just as a background, I give the, the audience a little bit of background. My mother's from Puerto Rico, but my father and grandfather from Trinidad. So this is where, and I have West African roots all the way going back to Africa. Um, I identify as a person of color, and what you get a lot of times as you get, because I am 6'4", I'm about 240, shh, don't tell anybody, um, you get a lot of situations where there, people are intimidated by, by you because of the color of your skin or the size that you are. And I'm like, look, I was just trying to eat some vegetables and eat meat. Like, that was how I got as big as I am, I think. And for her to say that I mean, she... you look like Hercules. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, his bouncer when we go on the road. Um... What I say is that I think it was very disgusting uh, that this person, who clearly murdered another human being, showed no remorse because not only did she shoot the person, but two days later text another person to basically say, oh, this isn't a big deal, let's have sex. Actually, um, actually yeah. Yeah. the same night. Oh, the same night, excuse yeah. me. 
And, you know, one of the things I will say is that when you're trying to have sex the same night, that means you are just, you don't care. You don't care about the life you just took. Um, and she t he was sitting there chilling. He was watching something on TV, minding his business in his apartment. And he got shot for no reason. And her excuse was, I was threatened. Well, you're a police officer. You're not supposed to be threatened that easily. And you're supposed to handle it handle it a lot better than she did and i think that there is such a racial implication here that is just it, it, you know there's a sense of white privilege here in the sense that she only got the time that she got she should have gotten more it should have been a life sentence because of the lack of remorse because of the fact that she was trespassing on his property and because of the fact that she she was basically out of her mind like she was basically not really caring and I, I I personally think that this is exactly what is wrong in the general society. This is exactly what's wrong. That it's okay if somebody of color gets killed, but if this was a, if the situation was reversed and a black guy or a Hispanic guy was killing a, a white woman, death maybe, penalty, death penalty, without question, without question, they wouldn't. It, it would the trial would have lasted about a week, and the verdict would have been done in twenty minutes. Like it would have been hands down. I, I just kind of coin a phrase, uh, you know, kind of reminds me of uh, Felicity Hoffman, who got, what, 14 days and a $50,000 fine? Am I getting those numbers right? And then there's another woman who got sentenced to five years because she put an address on her son's school application just so he could go to a better school. Five years to 14 days. Wow. So this this is the type of injustice. This is the, just the in the justice inequality that just always happens and I you know I want us to get past this because like when I look at people I don't look at people as skin color I look at people as hey you're a good person you're a person that I want to talk to you're a good person I want to work with you're a person I want to I don't go that route and you know like I was raised in a, mul a mixed culture and a multicultural house so when I see this it's just like have we come we're 50 years removed from civil rights movement like the major part of the movement have we moved forward at all? That's the question. Because you're seeing this happen, and the one thing I could say, I guess maybe 50 years ago, she wouldn't even have been arrested. It would have been like, it's not even a big deal. So I just think it's horrible. It's atrocious. I would love to hear what people in the chat are saying because I, I, would, like, I, I would like to think that the majority would feel that same way, that the facts are clear. And just to reiterate, just in case people don't know, facts are clear. She came home drunk. She so, uh, went, uh, or, or not just, drunk. I just want to correct you that, yeah, the, the the toxicology didn't show that, but there okay. was there was thought that she was drinking, but we don't know if she was actually but, drunk. But but yeah. here's the here's the point: you came home, went to the wrong floor, so you were clearly not paying attention at the very least, and instead of knocking and saying, "Excuse me, what are you doing in my apartment?" and giving the person a chance to say, "Hey, this is my apartment. You're on the sixth floor or whatever floor she went to," she just pulled out her gun and shot him. And then went about her evening and text somebody later and said, we had, we're going to have sex. I want everybody in the audience to just ask themselves the question. If somebody they loved had that happen to them, what would you want? What would you think? What would you feel? Uh, a few things. Number one, I look at age, too. Yeah. She's 31. She's going to get out of jail at 41. And still live her life. Where yeah. you still have, the, I mean, the prime of your life. Uh, yeah. If you're lucky, health-wise... Uh, she, you know, she could still, people are, 
I'm not a gynecologist, but women are having babies later and later. Um, women are having babies later and later. Uh, so this is not, obviously, 10 years of somebody's life is, is a lot. Yep. But she's still getting out of jail at 41 years old with plenty of life ahead. Yep. Secondly, I don't want to politicize this and make it about the campaign. But the facts are the facts. There are black men sitting in prison because of Joe Biden and Bill Clinton for life, yeah. for, for cocaine or, or for drugs. When this white police officer got a slap on the wrist. And by the way, 10 years, we, I, I, the, the details did not say. We don't know if she could get off before 10 years for good behavior, which happens all the time. There, you know, in five years from now, in eight years from now, when nobody's paying attention and Botham's John, Botham John's name, you know, if we're keeping it real, is no longer uh, as relevant as, as it is now, is, is there going to be a huge kick and a scream if she gets out for good behavior in seven and a half, eight years? And which is going to happen because that's generally the, the justice system. You, you go to jail for 10 years, good behavior out in six or seven years. Six or seven years, is that equal to a person's life? Because last time I checked, most people who commit cold-blooded murder, because that's what it was. It wasn't like he tried to attack her or anything, or self-defense, or anything. You know, it was cold-blooded murder. Um, last time I checked, people generally get 25 to life for that. And, and when there's a record of no remorse, most there are judges that will say, you showed remorse, I'll be lenient. She showed no remorse until she well, was caught. She did cry on the stand, blah, on blah, blah. On the stand? That but, doesn't count. Right, right. No, <laughs> no I agree. I just, yeah. I just want to say, <laughs> like, in fairness, she did, yes. she cried and said she lives with it every day, yada, yada, yada. Well, well she should live with it every day for the but, next 25 years. But to me, <laughs> yeah. to me, does her being found guilty give white police officers some hesitation not to be lunatic, you know, frankly, police terrorists? Yeah. Yeah. But 10 years and getting off on good behavior earlier, which is most likely, it shows you the lack of value on black lives. Because, frankly, if a fucking black guy from the Caribbean (laughs) intruded on a white woman's home, shot her dead, he'd be facing the death penalty, particularly in Texas, okay? So this is, even though there's like a quarter, halfway justice that she was found guilty, this, you are not going to stop seeing these things happen if the value of black lives is not elevated to equal or at least close to equal. It has to be. It has and to be. And this, this is not that. This, it, to me, for what she did... If you even wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt, okay? You want to give her the benefit of the doubt that she truly, whatever, she was tired, she worked all day, and um, she just really got confused or whatever. Even if that, if she went into that apartment, she said he was coming at me. There was no proof that that happened. So there is a racial thing yeah, going I mean, on and here. And here's the thing. Even if he was coming at you, he was probably coming at you to ask her, what are you doing in my apartment? Right. Like, I know for a fact, I had somebody actually a few years back walk into an old apartment of mine and actually walk in. And I was like, excuse me. Hey, how you doing? What, what can I help you? And I'm sure, like, I'm sorry, like, somebody coming to my house, like, that's my house. Like, I have the right to say, what are you doing coming into my house? Because she said on the stand that she told him to stand back. 
if somebody walked in here and told me to stand back, I'd be, like, I'd be like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, exactly. Most people would be like, who the fuck are you? Like, so, that? Uh, to me, this is yeah. uh, disgraceful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went down there in the early days of status quo. We spoke with Botham's minister, his friends, activists on the ground who had been arrested protesting, uh, protesting for Botham John. So uh, this is something we've covered. And it's just amazing. It's amazing. When you have a range of five years to 99 years, you would think maybe at the minimum you'd get 20 years here, yeah. 25 years. Uh, but again, white privilege. And what surprises me here, to tell you the truth, uh, I don't know uh, what the jury break jury vote on this was. We don't know the internal vote. Yeah. There's a lot of black people yeah. on that jury. So I'd be interested to know what was the split here between the white jurors and the black jurors, because I would have a very hard time believing that those black jurors, understandably so, would be okay with 10 years. No, and they wouldn't be okay. And one of the things I'm seeing in the chat is that I want to be clear, and I am a personal belief that all lives, all lives matter. A life is a precious thing, and for any life to be taken away, especially young, especially, I, I have two kids myself, and I would never know what to do if anything happened to my kids. But all lives matter. But I think what the what some people may be missing is that there is a, a inherent pattern for the last twenty to eighty years, maybe longer, and I would just and actually uh, very much longer, probably three hundred three hundred years. But like <laughs> we're talking about like where civil rights started and maybe progression started happening, where you think you know the last twenty years you think it's better out there. I have been personally stopped because I was going. 31 miles an hour in a 25 mile, mile hour zone. And when I and because I've always respected police officers, I roll down my windows. If I'm playing music, I put the music down. I say, "Hey, how can how can I help you, officer? What's going on?" Because I'm not trying to give them an excuse to to get aggressive with me. But I've gotten in that moment where I said, "How are you doing? How's the evening going?" I've literally gotten where are you coming from? What are you doing? And why are you going so fast? And the tone was not like, hey, man, how's it going? Where are you coming from? It was very serious. And, I've, and I answered the questions. And because I gave him nothing, that doesn't happen. That doesn't always happen. A lot of times situations elevate, escalate, and, it, and we, we get defensive, and they take that as aggression. I get, and I want to say this to play devil's advocate, I get that police, being a police officer is one of the hardest jobs in the world. I get that, but you got to treat people fairly. You got to respect people. And what I say is, is that I a million times over feel like that has not been the case a million times, and it's happened over and over and over. And it's a pattern that has set a precedence as set. And all lives matter, and everybody wants to be safe. But when it the the rule should be equal. And I, and I'm gonna say this because I believe this. If it was a black man killing a white woman. 25 to life. If it was a white woman killing a black man, 25 to life. It should be equal, and it's not. That's the bottom line. It's not. That's a fact. The last thing I'll say on this, and yeah. I, know, I know you don't mean it this way, yeah. but I cringe when I hear all lives matter because yeah. Yeah. there's not a need to say white lives matter. There's just not a need. I let lot, say lot, lot, White lives are not like devalued in, in this country or, frankly, in most places. So this all lives matter is just frankly, dog whistling. Uh, some people who say it like don't mean, don't consciously mean to dog whistle, but most people who say it are dog whistling because 
there's no need to like stress the fact that like white lives are important too. The reason you say black lives matter is because they are devalued in this country and have been for a long time. For a long time. So uh, the bottom line is, to me, this is a major injustice. Uh, I would love, and I'll follow up, I would love to know what this jury uh, was thinking. Uh, hopefully, uh, some of the black jurors will speak to the media. I will try to identify uh, who those jurors were because I bet my last bottom dollar uh, that this was uh, divided on racial grounds in that jury uh, on what the sentencing should be. With white uh, jurors uh, kind of, no other way to say it, kind of falling falling for her, you know, crying on the stand and I live with this every day and, you know, giving more of a benefit of the doubt. And that just shows instinctually the 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 race the the not only white privilege but the racial blindness of most white people even progressives sometimes so um i'm glad we went down there to cover it i'm glad she was found guilty uh i'm not happy at the uh penalty here which to me is a slap on the wrist elizabeth warren surging in the polls uh you know the best candidate money can't buy i'm i'm told interesting well Elizabeth Warren um, has been doing a lot of things that, dare I say, don't come off the most progressive, uh, including hiring this fella to run her Michigan campaign. Goes by the name of Mike McCollum. Uh, he is uh, ran, I think, something in the Michigan Democratic Party. Uh, has worked for Pres uh, Barack Obama's campaign uh, and worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign in 2016. Uh, he also has tweeted some things that kind of make it look a little anti-Bernie. So, do I want to... Um, hold on. Somebody asked Jordan, have you, you or Joseph ever thought about stealing new equipment or using a stolen credit card? Uh, no, we haven't, but nice idea. Uh, so... I don't want to. I don't want to condemn Elizabeth Warren uh, for hiring like somebody from Hillary Clinton's campaign to run Michigan, which is a state that the Democratic candidate must win back. But it kind of continues to show Elizabeth Warren's willingness to basically bend over backwards for the establishment. It it shows a sign, uh, 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 an olive branch so to speak, of Elizabeth Warren uh, making, you know, kind of like an, an olive branch to the establishment, which Bernie Sanders would never do. You know, I'm a team player. Uh, you know, I'll even bring on old hands of Hillary to my campaign. This isn't somebody to, like, be a volunteer or do social media. It's to run the state of Michigan for her campaign, a pivotal state. So, you know, I just took a little time to go through his past tweets Nothing, you know, crazy scandalous, but it definitely shows he's not, he's not on Bernie's team. That's for sure. Uh, this tweet, Tom Watson, if, you, if you're on Twitter, you know, kind of a hillbot, uh, sends out a lot of misinformation, hates Bernie with a, with a fire-breathing passion. Uh, Tom Watson, I guess, in 2017, tweeted out, Bernie should sell his lake house and move to South Carolina this summer. Um... I, I tried to see what that tweet was uh, uh, in response, what he was linking to, uh, but that person blocked me, which I take uh, with pride. Uh, so 
Elizabeth Warren's new Michigan campaign manager felt the need to point out that Bernie uh, lost uh, to Hillary by 48 points. Again, he worked on Hillary's campaign in South Carolina in 2016. Uh, Amber Tamblyn, uh, one of these Hollywood celebs who don't like Bernie and are very big on identity politics, had tweeted out, uh, no, the Democratic Party belongs to the unprecedented number of women who ran this year and are winning, reshaping not just its values, but its representation. Fuck this erasure of the hard work women have put in to be seen and heard in politics in response to uh, an article, the Democratic Party now belongs to Bernie. And uh, Elizabeth Warren's new state director, uh, you know, did not like that and uh, felt the need to uh, retweet Amber Tamblin. Let's move on. Oh, hold on. Here we have, uh, he tweeted out, uh, so proud to have been on this team uh, with him as well as some other people and the talented 11 others who led us to a 48-point victory for Hillary Clinton. Uh, pointing, he pointed out, which I find very, very interesting, oh, Hillary was just uh, in an uphill battle in South Carolina. She only had two officers and 14 staffers versus Bernie's 240 staffers and 10 offices. Uh, does this guy want us to believe that Hillary Clinton was an underdog to Bernie Sanders in South Carolina? Because I could tell you in South Carolina, because uh, I was there uh, before the primary in 2016, you want to know why he had so many staffers? Because nobody in the South Carolina knew who the hell Bernard Sanders was. So this guy seems to, there's a little bit of a pattern of hostility against Bernie Sanders and kind of a love, a lasting love for Hillary Clinton. Uh, he also, uh, this doesn't show that he retweeted it, but he retweeted this tweet the main, from Dave Weigel of the Washington Post. The main Bernie program kicks off with the Beatles revolution, which is about being skeptical of people who call for a revolution. Yeah, I guess Dave Weigel kind of talking about being skeptical of people like Bernie who call for a revolution. And uh, Mr. Mike McCollum retweeted that. So we have several tweets going after Bernie, several tweets uh, going after or mad that articles were saying the Democratic Party belongs to Bernie. Then you have uh, Mike, you know, talking, talking up and supporting that working class hero, Pete Buttigieg, such a working class hero who tweeted out, we in the Democratic Party are making this harder than it has to be. Our message isn't complicated. We exist to protect ordinary people. Y'all listen to Mayor Pete, Elizabeth Warren's new Michigan state director said. I guess the people that Mayor Pete is talking about uh, protecting, I'm sure he was talking about those people when he was having sandwiches on Wall Street this summer. You remember that story? Mayor Pete was meeting with Wall Street bankers on Wall Street and had sandwiches with them or the gross, I think he did 50 private fundraisers with financial people in not this recent quarter, but the last one, that fighter, that fighter, Pete Buttigieg for ordinary working people. Oh, got to retweet him. But then, not to be outdone, Mike tweeted the bastion, the guardian of progressive values, Tom Perez, who said, in America, a person's value isn't determined by their language, skills, or skin color. 
this is not, this isn't what makes America great. In fairness, I agree with Tom Perez in this tweet going after President Trump. Not a hard thing to go go against President Trump, but this is the same Tom Perez who very quickly, very quickly upon becoming DNC chair, reversed the DNC's ban on taking fossil fuel money. (laughs) This is the same Tom Perez who has not at all curtailed the DNC's taking money from lobbyists, which they said they would stop doing that. So this guy is Sharon Tom Perez, Pete Buttigieg. I'd only stopped at his Twitter. I couldn't go past 2017. So God knows what he said about Bernie Sanders during the 2016 campaign. I couldn't get past 2017. For some reason, it just said, you've reached the bottom. Go back to the top. Fix that Twitter. So listen, you know, there might be some people who say, Jordan, stop with the, you know, you're nitpicking here. It's just her campaign manager in the pivotal state of Michigan. But dare I say, I think, I think that it's very problematic if Elizabeth Warren is talking about she's against corruption. If Elizabeth Warren is talking about we need to, you know, curtail uh, lobbyists, we need to stop uh, the huge influence of lobbyists, of big donors, uh, of all the revolving door, but... Recently, she's talking behind the scenes with Hillary Clinton. Recently, reports that she's going around the country having hot tea with the leaders of the Democratic Party establishment. Now she's hiring Hillary Clinton veterans to run key states for her. This is not just about bad decision making, because why would you want to hire the people from the losing campaign who lost to an orange orangutan to run Michigan? Maybe this guy's good, maybe he's not, but wouldn't you want somebody from a campaign that maybe has learned some different lessons? Putting that aside, to me, what Elizabeth Warren is doing, she's giving off signals. She's giving off signals to those donors that are still with Biden. I'm a team player. I'll play ball with you. I got to do what I got to do to win the primary. I got to talk the talk. I got to say what I got to say. I got to kind of pretend that I'm for Medicare for all, all this. But I'll be there in the end. We're not, there's no revolution coming. Yes, you know, I might do some things around the edges. You know, you might not have as big a tax cut. Uh, you might have to pay a little bit more, but like, you'll be fine. Wink, wink. I mean, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And, you know, what bothers me is, listen, I don't think in her heart she is Hillary Clinton. I don't think she's as bad as Hillary Clinton. I don't think she's as bad as Joe Biden. I don't think she's as bad as Kamala Harris. I think she truly, genuinely, in her mind and heart, believes there needs to be tighter regulation on Wall Street. I think she truly believes that the rich have gotten away with murder and we need to take some of that stuff away. But the problem is she has made a political calculation that is not only unethical, but it's bad strategy. Why are you basically borrowing the strategy that Hillary Clinton used? Hillary Clinton was still satisfying her donors while like kind of placating and pretending that she would do some progressive things. This, the strategy why Donald Trump won is because he went, he went against the Republican Party. He went against the establishment. Of course, he was totally full of shit. We know this. But going against the establishment 
is a winning strategy because the current president did it. People, both on the left and the right, hate both parties. So why Elizabeth, you know, Elizabeth Warren is making the strat, making a political calculation that if she does what she needs to do to be a, you know, signal I'm a team player, that she'll get all that money in, in the general. And her team is based, probably telling her, we're, we're going to need to take all this special interest money because Trump and the RNC have raised, I think it's close to $200 million at this point. So we need that money. Hillary Clinton outspent Donald Trump two to one. She lost. Sure, she won the popular vote, but that's not, unfortunately, that's not how we vote or that's not how elections are counted. So you could have all the money in the world. I got news for you. Joe Crowley outspent Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez by a lot. She won. There are more campaigns now where upsets are happening. Money does not equal victory. Sometimes on a local level, yes, but on a grander scale, Elizabeth Warren, if she ran, I'm for Bernie Sanders, so I don't want her to be the nominee. At this point, I don't think she's going to be the nominee, but she's making a strategy that is going to come back to bite her in the behind if she were the nominee. And she's going to have a hard time rallying if she is the nominee, supporters of Bernie Sanders, because this is kind of coming off like Clinton 2.0. But there's more on Warren that has not previously been known, uh, previously been known, which I'm just finding out about now. So Elizabeth Warren has made a huge part of her campaign uh, the fact that she is not doing lavish fundraisers. Uh, She's not doing big fundraisers with, uh, you know, uh, Democratic Party plutocrats. She's not doing big fundraisers with bankers, healthcare, uh, fossil fuel, you name it. Of course, previously it came out that, yeah, she's not doing those fundraisers because she did it in 2018. (laughs) She did them during her Senate re-election campaign and just transferred the money over. So uh, this article, which was uh, very interesting, Senator Elizabeth Warren keeps denouncing the 1%, but she stopped by Carla's in Los Altos Hills, the third most expensive zip code in the country, with a medium household of over $248,000 for a fundraiser. The fundraiser was curiously unreported because the optics may have been less than ideal. This fundraiser was held, I believe, in October of 2018, so right before her Senate re-election campaign. Warren had claimed that that she would be shunning big donors because candidates spend way too much time with wealthy donors. Her campaign has has been billed as the best president money can't buy. Like everything else Warren said, including claims of Indian, uh, Indian ancestry, uh, it was best taken with Molly. So this guy obviously has a take. So the fundraiser he's talking about here was with uh, Carla Jervertson. She was married to a big uh, venture capitalist. They got divorced, and I'm assuming she got a whole lot of money out of that divorce because she's been kind of a Democratic rainmaker uh, in the last two, in the 2018 election cycle, and probably now the 2020 campaign. So during uh, during the 2018 election cycle, both Warren and Gillibrand raised the majority of their funds from women for the first time in either senator's career, according to uh, the Center for Responsive Politics. Harris had nearly twice as many female donors as male donors, although 54.4% of the roughly 14.7 million she raised. I don't care about Harris. Let's move on. 
So great, you're, 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 you're getting all your big money from women instead of men, wonderful. Donors like Jerbertson, again, was married to a big uh, venture capitalist, they're divorced now. Uh, she's a psychiatrist, but she has a whole lot of money probably from that divorce settlement. Donors like Jervidson will be in high demand over the next two years. She hosted Warren for a fundraiser at her Los Altos Hills house last month. Again, this article is from November, excuse me, November of 2018. So right before her presidential run, October 2018, Elizabeth Warren went to the third wealthiest zip code in America to have a fundraiser with a mega plutocrat who's pouring in, uh, I be- from, from what I've seen, lots and lots of money to establishment candidates. Uh, that's problematic because it kind of goes with what we already know that she basically kind of just did some creative accounting here. She did all the lavish fundraisers right before her presidential run so that she had some money to start, transferred it over into her presidential campaign coffers, had a lot of money to start the campaign, more than Bernie, more than others to begin, and hired up a ton of people in Iowa. She hired more people in Iowa than any other campaign in the beginning, which has helped her create a strong ground game, among other things, in Iowa. So is it okay that she's not taking this big money in the primary because she took it a month before she announced? I mean, really, we're just talking about kind of calendar tricks. We're talking about her taking a ton of money from big plutocrats going to private fundraisers that didn't get much media coverage uh, when, and then using that money for her campaign. By the way, this Carla... Uh, this Carla Jervertson, who she did a fundraiser with, also was able to get Warren the DNC voter database file, which was $100,000. So, you know, candidates need access to the DNC voter files. Bernie Sanders, so far, has not paid for that access. So what happened, here's that article again, Carla... Jervidson, who Warren went to her house, probably kissed her ring a little bit and got uh, money from her and the other donors in attendance, third richest zip code in America. That new mega donor then cut $100,000 in checks to get Warren access to the DNC voter file. So what she did, instead of donating to Warren, Carla wrote two checks to the DNC. The payment was split up into two checks, one for 35500 and the other for 64500 to bypass FEC donation limits. One payment was labeled for the legal fund and the other for general operations. But both were allegedly about kicking $100,000 in so that Warren campaign, Warren's campaign could get access to the voter file and take her message of not taking money from big donors to the people. Right before heading to a San Francisco 10,000 a seat cocktail party fundraiser with a $50,000 photo opportunity with Warren, with Warren, well, this guy's putting in a little bit more literature on her Indian, uh, Native American stuff. So this fundraiser she did at Carla's home, 10,000 a seat cocktail party fundraiser with $50,000 photo opportunity 
with Warren. Uh, does that sound like somebody fighting corruption to you? $50,000 for a photo with Elizabeth Warren? $10,000 a seat? Unbelievable. The cognitive dissonance. And this is getting no attention. Uh, the media is certainly not going to cover it because they're going with this nonsense that Elizabeth Warren, you know, she's anti-corrupt and she's against corruption. Yeah, she was for it last year, okay? And before, you know, some of my establishment friends come at me, well, Jordan, you need money to fight campaigns, isn't that? If you're truly progressive, Bernie Sanders just raised more money in three months than any other campaign has raised in this campaign. He, before he was rushed to the hospital, $25.3 million. Can you imagine if Bernie Sanders was the nominee, how much money would pour in from him, from average working people in a three-month span? Remember, general election, after the DNC, it's basically three months till the general election. You don't think Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, if she did it the right way, could compete with small-dollar donors? You think it's, this, you think it's necessary to do $10,000 a seat cocktail parties in, in, I don't know where that is, in the hills of California? You think this donor is just pay, dropping $100,000 to the DNC out of the kindness of her heart to get Elizabeth Warren's campaign access to the DNC database and voter file? I don't know this woman. She might be nice. She's a psychiatrist. She probably got money from her divorce settlement from her vulture capitalist husband who reportedly had a lot of affairs and whatever. Maybe she likes Warren's message of, you know, anti-corruption and this and that, but most people don't give $100,000 to anything without a return, without an ex expectation of a return on investment. You also have this little nugget that Jen found. Here in a, in a um, third way, here is the president of Third Way, which is the Wall Street-funded um, front group that hates Bernie Sanders, thinks he's an existential threat. Here's what they think of Elizabeth Warren. In his speech, Cowan, the president of Third Way, called on the Democratic Party to reform, not reject capitalism, a theme that was echoed throughout the conference. But at face value, that's a similar argument to that of Elizabeth Warren, who emphasizes her support for heavily regulated capitalism as a way to distinguish herself from the socialist mantra of Bernie Sanders. In fact, many third-way leaders would accept Warren as a Democratic nominee in a way they wouldn't accept Sanders. Quote, she's a team player for the Democrats. She's not committed to a single-payer health insurance. That's good enough for us, third-way said. Or, so what that means when I always say, you know, kind of wink, wink and a nod, candidates all the time are giving signals. Candidates all the time are giving signals to the establishment, to the bankers, to the uh, third ways of the world. I'm a team player. I'll do business. I'm open for business. I got to say what I got to say now, but I'm, I'm reasonable. That's what Third Way is talking about there. And if they don't think she's for single-payer health care, why should we believe her when she says it? She's all over the place on Medicare for All, as I've been reporting the last few days. And finally, uh, this I've never seen before, but uh, you know how Hillary Clinton had a 
public and private position? She said that in a speech. Well, that's my private position. This is my public one, you know? Well, this is kind of close to that. Uh, this is the New York Times story uh, titled, uh, As Warren and Sanders Jockey for Support, One Takes a Road More Traveled. Well, the original Wolf of Wall Street, here's what he said about Warren. I think Senator, hold on. I think Senator Warren's views are more pragmatic. I think she's very different in a conversation than when she's on the stump, said Robert Wolf, the former UBS executive who hosted Mrs. Warren, Miss Warren and other, other Senate Democrats for a fundraiser on Martha's Vineyard this summer. Again, this was in 2017. So she was doing lavish fundraisers then too. I think Senator Warren's views are more pragmatic. I think she's very different conversation in conversation, i.e. at private fundraisers, than when she's on the stump. Folks, tell me if you think I'm being too hard. I'm open to suggestions. I don't want somebody who's pragmatic and a little softer sounding in private conversations with rich people than at speeches in town halls. That worries me. That worries me to death.